Welcome to Honest to God, a collection of honest, frank and fluff-free interviews with various Christian leaders from all sorts of settings around the world, with me, Mark Pease. Hey, you came back. Uh, Welcome to episode two of Honest to God, and I'm so glad you came back. In today's episode, we are calling the one with the loyal radical padre. And all will make sense as we start to get through today's podcast. First of all, I just want to say a huge thank you for listening and coming back for more. We've had such a good response to episode one, which was with Ray Bevan. And, and if you've not heard that yet, you can get that from your wherever you got this one from. Episode one will already be up there. And we'll actually talk about the response a bit later in, um, uh, in this pod in our post, ba- post box section. Easy for me to say. Post box section, because remember we were saying you can send in your emails in our, at the following address, honesttogodpod at gmail.com and various ones of you have throughout the week. But listen, the feedback has been so good that it has really just confirmed again that this series idea is not only a good one, but is actually one that will be a valuable resource to many out there in the cutting edge of life, leadership, ministry, call it what you will. Well, so today I'm going to take you all the way to the city called Hull and for our international listeners and there are quite a few of those again we'll talk more about that later in the pod Hull is a city in the United Kingdom it's on the east coast of England and it's quite a working class quite a blue collar city and I went there to interview a man by the name of the Reverend Ben Norton who I have never met before up until that point and we were put in touch by a mutual friend And when I realised in talking to my friend that what Ben was about and what he was spending his life doing, I was really keen to interview him. Remember, in this series of interviews, we're not talking to people who all think the same, are all from the same networks, all from the same denominations and are all on the same page. And in many ways, from the outside, Ben could not be more different from Ray, who was last week's guest, in terms of how they are sharing the gospel But that's exactly what this podcast series is about, because we are a broad church. So Ben, as he'll tell us, he comes from a Methodist upbringing, and then he got into the Anglican family. But before you think you've got this guy pegged, what he's doing today is not quite what you would expect. If what you expect when you hear the word Anglican is stained glass tradition. In fact, I think there are many things that we could learn from Ben and his approach to the gospel and his approach to living in the community. In this conversation with Ben, I think you're going to find that he's a very honest and open guy. I mean, blimey, that helps, doesn't it? Where honesty <laughs> as a priest, that, that really helps. But he's honest and open. He's, he's not hiding anything. He's not pretending. And I think that genuine nature of his will just shine through. But he's honest. He's open. He's open about the challenges that he faces, not only as a priest, not only as a man, but also as a husband and a parent. And I was really encouraged from talking to him. So... I hope you enjoy meeting Ben as much as I enjoyed meeting him. So without further ado, um, did I ever tell you about the time I sat down with the loyal radical Padre? All right. uh, Hello, everybody. Uh, In the car, glorious sunny day. Um, Just about to pull into, I'll pull off the M62, driving into the wonderful city of Hull. And I thought, let's play a game. Never met Ben before, but if Ben is like anybody else I've ever met from the city of Hull... 
it will not be too long before he tells me that Hull was a city of culture. It was known as a city of culture. Can't remember if it still is, but I know it was recently. Everybody I've ever met always tells me that it was the city of culture. So the game today is, how long will it take Ben, who I've never met before, to tell me that Hull is a city of culture? My guess is within the first 60 seconds, and I will give you a second for you to make your own guess. See ya. Well, greetings, podcast sojourners. I made it to Hull, as I was saying in the car. And it is my pleasure, actually, to be sat in the front room of a house in the lovely city of Hull with Ben Norton. Morning, how are you? Doing great. Listen, thank you for having me in your home. Welcome to the city of culture. Well, do you know, I said in the car, just do a little recording, because I do a little pre-record. I'm on my way to see so-and-so. I said, and the burning question today is, because I could not remember, is Hull a city of culture? Because I thought, but you've answered the question. It is, yes, yeah, still. So we pass on the torch to Coventry. Um, but I think I can't remember when it is maybe 2020 okay yeah, yeah. Well, well I don't think I'm interviewing anybody in Coventry so Hull will always remain the city of culture <laughs> it certainly is well so listen Ben why don't you just kick off uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself who you are family and how you came to Hull and let's just go from there so I'm a son of the city as you can tell from my flat vowels um, I was born here, um, uh, ended up all over the place really, but we managed to come back here four years ago, just share four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm married to Becky, uh, we've got three kids uh, and we have a big black dog called Winston. Winston, who I've met, and he's the kind of dog that you could put a saddle on him and ride him like a horse. Absolutely, he's a, he's yeah, he's huge. huge he is, yeah. So here in Hull, and just explain to the guys um, what you're doing here in terms of you know, outreach ministry, you know, what your title is, because it's it's really interesting. I heard it for the first time this morning, and it's a bit different, so go for it. So I'm a priest in the Church of England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been ordained for 11 years now, uh, and my job here in Hull is that I am a pioneer minister. A pioneer minister. Yeah, sounds rather flash, doesn't it? It does. You can just put right PM. Not that anybody wants to be a PM at this point. No, and when your initials are mine, people call me... Anyway, but carry on, yes. Yeah, so I'm a pioneer minister, which uh, basically means my job is to work um, on the fringes of church. So my job here in Hull, uh, we're on a really big, brand new uh, housing complex. Uh, There are more and more of these places uh, popping up all over the country. Um, So lots and lots of housing, but no church. Yeah. Um, no church building uh-huh. so my job is I've been given a blank sheet of paper um, and just told to get on creating church creating Christian community out of nothing uh-huh. so what does that look like um, I, I can't really tell you <laughs> that's part of the job so like I said we've been here three and a half years four years now um, we have uh, established a, a brand new community mm-hmm. here we maybe have i don't know 20 or so regular folks coming yeah. uh so where we're sat here doing this podcast is yeah. our front room mm-hmm. this is church mm-hmm. um and if i can just describe it for the listeners there's a huge stained glass uh, front <laughs> of the house and a golden kind of chalice <laughs> over, not not just a regular house we've got a big thermometer outside because that's what church is having it absolutely yeah we need to raise money for the roof no <laughs> it's just literally a sitting room with a few settees um uh, and everyone who's part of our community has uh, either come to faith in the past three mm-hmm. years or maybe isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're you know, a very young Christian community, yeah. um, which has huge highs and huge lows yeah. um, and everything that's mixed in with that. 
we'll get into some of those I'm sure the sure. highs and the lows because we yeah. want to make sure we get both and we get balance yeah. so you're here you've been here for a few years take us way back to you know Ben I don't know growing up um, becoming aware of maybe I don't know some kind of sense of call or whatever just take, give us the background to your story how you got into this so uh, brought up more or less uh, long story short in a Christian home um, had a real deep experience of Jesus when I was seven uh, life continued as normal. What was? Are you explain that kind of experience? What, yeah. Okay. So that? we um, went to a little Methodist church out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it was it was a really great, healthy place to be. Um, so back in the eighties, it was sort of embracing the charismatic renewal. Yeah. So it wasn't dowdy or boring. Mm-hmm. We had a mission team come to the church, mm-hmm. uh, spend a week with us. Um, loads of really interactive, really great kids works, really great Christian role yeah. models. At the end of that week, there was the traditional sort of, I don't know, Sunday night preach. Yeah. Um, this guy talked about Jesus, and I remember sat in the pew, stopping my heart out, going, I need to respond. Wow. How old are you? Seven. Wow. Yeah, so I went down to the front, kind of altar call type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and just, just began to understand who this guy Jesus was. I um, love that, how... Jesus and God, God can break in into the life of a child. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, it was profound. Yeah, absolutely profound. And and as I look back on my faith, uh, I use the word journey. I don't know people roll their eyes at that word at times, but for me, it really has been. Yeah. Um, uh, and there are marker points along the way on that mm. journey, and that was that was definitely yeah. a huge one for me. Uh-huh. Um, so life carried on as normal for it would for a seven year old. Yeah. Um, uh, had a really traumatic experience when I was 11 mm-hmm. uh, found out that my uh, biological father had taken his own life wow. which as I'm sure that mm. sort of age makes you ask the bigger questions in life yeah. alright God I've learned about you in Sunday school You know, mm. I've had a real experience of you how, how can this sort of stuff happen mm. which then took me onto a journey of, of just questioning everything really mm. um, and again came into my teenage years about 16 mm. um, we went to a place called Spring Harvest yeah no, it was. Yeah, uh, again a similar sort of preach mm. uh, we went to one night um, and again just another huge marker point on my journey and that, mm. that was the point for me where I realised that God was real mm. uh, and that he loved me uh, and for me you know I think well, maybe not just ministers, but I think people in general, you can probably sum up your gospel in a sentence, mm. you know, and it will be slightly different for everyone, mm. but for me it's love. Yeah. Uh, and that was the moment that I realised I was loved, truly loved, mm. uh, and that revolutionised who I am and what I do and the reason I do it. Mm. And I made a promise to God that night when I, I realised that, that I would go wherever he called me mm. and I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. Um, and it's been a right roller coaster from that point on. Uh-huh. I've ended up being in places and speaking to people that if I'd have made those life choices, I, I would never have got. Um, so yeah, I'm a working class lad. I left I left school and became a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no qualifications, mm-hmm. uh, and that was me. Um, but I remember at that point, it was a real turning point, and I thought I I, I want to serve God no matter where I am. Yeah, you know, I want to do more than just be a hairdresser. Yeah. Um, at the time, what did that look like to you? Oh, do you know what? It was so embarrassing looking back on it now. So we, we'd been away for the Easter week or whatever. 
and I went back into the hairdressing salon and I think I probably had like a 10 foot cross around my neck (laughs) just going about the place going this is me now (laughs) Uh, was was everybody in the salon saying no I won't see him yeah totally totally it was so embarrassing but you know when you just well it was just transformation yeah total transformation Um, and I think I probably just went and cleaned the toilets for about a week just thinking this is what you need to do now Uh, anyway, um, from there, someone said, have you thought about going to Jesus school? Yeah. You thought about going to study theology? And I thought, oh, that, that's a great idea, but yeah. you know, I'm thick. I can't do that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway, going back to that promise, I said, okay, I'll push the door. Yeah. That, that's my promise, God. If this is where you call me, I'll push the door. If it opens, mm. I'll go through it. If not, mm. I won't. I did and fell through it um, uh-huh. and ended up going to a place called Cliff College, uh-huh. which is a Methodist lay training college. Um, spent two years there um, uh, and that's where I had my call to ordain ministry um, and it was so, yeah, it, uh, so through the Methodist College yes yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I remember it really clearly yeah um, so as part of the courses that we would do um, we'd go out and work with churches mm. uh, on what they were called missions mm. so a bit like you know I suppose coming full circle to the guys that came to my church when yeah. I was seven so we would go and work with the church, we'd do kids clubs, we'd do preaches, we'd do yeah. all this sort of stuff. Um, and it was just a great experience to, to see lots of different churches and churchmanship, high, yeah. low, and, and just working with people, really enjoyed it. And we were working in this little church in Wales in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I was, uh, I think I was preaching on the Sunday, so it was maybe the Saturday night or something. And I popped into this uh, dowdy little church into the vestry. Um, now, if you're not familiar with what vestries look like, uh-huh. um, you're very lucky. Uh-huh. <laughs> but usually you walk in uh, and there will be pictures, uh-huh. um, traditionally of men, yeah. of the vicars that have been there before yeah. for like I don't know, hundreds of years or yeah. whatever. And I was sat at this desk scribbling away and I just felt God really clearly say, as I looked at these pictures, Ben, that's what I want for you. Wow. I want that bit of plastic around your neck uh-huh. and it was a bombshell total bombshell because I wasn't expecting it at all yeah. and I thought right okay no that's fine but I'll probably have to look like one of these guys uh-huh. in the pictures so when I'm old and I've got grey hair uh, you know a few jowls and all the rest of it and some mutton chops coming down and uh, that you, would... you've done a great job carrying that look <laughs> up no, for those you don't job, know man, that's not, yeah, absolutely <laughs> great face for radio no. um and I just thought, yeah, that that would make sense a yeah. long, long way away. Mm. Um, so I just kind of buried it then. Just yeah. thought, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, anyway, I'd, I'd done two years at Jesus School, had enough of Christians, living in this sort of little microcosmic bubble, um, and decided to go out and get a job. Uh, and I just wanted to, I'd been working with teenagers, really enjoyed that, and I thought maybe this is somewhere that I could sort of offer my gifts mm. and talents to the church. Um, and I just wanted a tiny little... Uh, out of the way backwater place to go and mm. cut my teeth on yeah. um, and ended up at this place called Beverly Minster uh-huh. um, which if you don't know it is one of the largest churches in the north of England okay. <laughs> it's just up the road from here um, and again just huge massive learning curve really great team there um, and again just had an absolute ball mm. for five years working with teenagers yeah um, and working predominantly on the fringes uh, with, with kids who, who didn't have faith. Mm. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed seeing people come to faith. Mm. Um, and, and during that time, as I was coming towards the end of my contract there, 
increasingly what I was finding was I was taking on the role of a priest for these guys mm. but actually the way the systems are we had to call in the grown up mm-hmm. so I'd be visiting them in hospital I'd be visiting them in prison mm. and we'd be um, sharing bread together and meals mm. together and discipling them but it just didn't feel authentic Yeah, you know we had to get someone else in to do the priestly things and okay. I was so in me I was saying well I feel called to be a priest mm. and I feel called to be their priest um, and actually what are we saying to these to this community on the fringe of church you are church but you're not proper church because you don't come in on Sunday mm. and, and say the right words in the right order and, mm. and stuff so there was all this stuff wrestling within me thinking there's got to be more I would imagine that that would not only wrestle within you but those kind of conversations would wrestle with uh, not the establishment but you know with the people that you were talking to as well from 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 the church yeah absolutely um and you know as god's timing and grace is always perfect um I, i'd mentioned to the vicar of the of the, uh, of the minster that i had felt this call to ministry um but i wasn't quite sure what it looked like mm. so i began then to push the door Um, And it was just at the time the Church of England, sort of 2005, 2006, were pushing this paperwork through the House of Bishops, you know, where we do things legally, (laughs) Um, uh, for this idea for pioneer ministers. Mm. Those who traditionally, and it's come as a response, you know, a lot of people uh, who kind of set up, uh, broad brushstrokes here, I know I'm talking that. No, go for it. Um, Back in the the 80s, early 90s, as part of the charismatic renewal within the Church of England, uh, have come out of the Church of England and set up community churches or other sort of churches because they just didn't feel mm. like their ministry could fit the shape yeah. of that of a vicar. Mm-hmm. The Church of England realised this and said, look, these are loyal radicals mm. and we need these guys in the church, yeah. not leaving the church. Um, so how can we empower their ministry mm. uh, and allow them their priestly ministry, mm. but within the structures of the C of E? Mm. Um, so it was an incredibly dynamic, uh, in changing, uh, life-changing sort of time for the C of E. And I think it's been a really quiet revolution in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the structures have changed. So I, again, I don't want to bore you. <laughs> Maybe you listen to this go, the podcast to go to sleep and this is the point where you'll drift <laughs> off. Not at all. Um, but the way the C of E is structured is the whole of England is split into a parish, yeah. parishes. Um, and there will be a parish church that looks after said amount of land. Mm-hmm. I run something called a bishop's mission order. Mm-hmm. So I sit in a parish, mm-hmm. but I'm allowed to establish fresh expressions, new expressions of church mm-hmm. within the structures that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's very freeing, very life-giving. Uh, it's a very, go get on with it, Ben. Yeah. Which 50 years ago just could never have happened. Uh-huh. Um yeah, so we, I began to push the door and again, fell through it right. <laughs> and stood up uh, and started this journey in ordained ministry, mm-hmm. but uh, wanting to work with those outside the church. So yeah. the night before I was ordained, um, we, we go on retreat beforehand uh, um, and I looked around the room and don't get me wrong, they were wonderful people, but I looked nothing like them, mm. the people that were getting ordained with. It's because you had this big cross around your neck. <laughs> it was still wrapping <laughs> it around. Uh, it's because I look like a hairdresser. Yeah, telling everybody if you yeah, pick up your cross. Anyway, <laughs> and I just thought, I, I just don't fit. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I had a big wobble and I, I said to the person leading the tree, I said, I don't know if I would need to go through with this or not because mm. look at me, I just it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Anyway, sort of remedied the fact, this is where God called me, 
let's just crack on. Yeah. Uh, I went through the service, went through, you know, hands laid on by the bishops and, and it was all very nice. But it was the moment, so what happens in York Minster is you're ordained and it's it's proper Premier League stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? It's It's all bells and whistles. And then at the end of the service, we walk out of the church and stand on the steps and have our photo taken. And as I was walking out, the doors of the church opened in front of me yeah. and suddenly the penny dropped. It was mm. like, oh, yeah. you're not supposed to be in church, Ben. Yeah. It's nice to be, yeah. but your calls to be out, mm. to be outside, out mm. into the world. That's where your ministry is. Mm. And suddenly it all made sense. Wow. And I, I felt as though, although I don't fit, that's my gift. Yeah. Um, and so... Then this journey continued and, uh, you know, uh, in the different places I've been working with those outside the church who mm-hmm. might be in a, in a pub or a football club mm-hmm. or, uh, or back at the hairdressers again yeah. or, or all these types of spaces. Uh-huh. Um, it, yeah, it's phenomenal. And, and what a gift to be able to, to stand in that space. Yeah. So you're pioneering. Yeah. And that's really helpful, actually, for everybody, you know, just to get the context of that and how that sits. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I've, I've learned that you are also a chaplain. Yes. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm chaplain to the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I serve with the Yorkshire Regiment. I've served with them for six years now. Um, uh, and again, that, that was just a call that I had on my life. Um, again, that didn't really make sense um, until, again, I, I just had a random conversation with a private soldier. Mm. Um, he said, oh, I think you should be a padre. Uh, and I thought well okay let's push that door and again yeah. fell through it yeah. <laughs> stood up wearing green my berry on backwards not really <laughs> knowing what I'm doing um, but again yeah sir, I served with the Yorkshire Regiment all over the world mm. um, and with the guys and girls there a phenomenal phenomenal uh, again place to be able to stand and, yeah. and to serve so I would imagine with that I mean I've got to be honest Ben you got sounds like you've got a lot going on yeah with all of that um, and you throw into the mix then your family man so your husband yes uh, married to Vicky Becky Becky sorry the, uh, the other one the, uh, the, the other one yes yeah we may edit that out but no. and three kids yes and so just talk a little bit about um, how somebody with such a clear call that granted kind of became more crystallized as you but you knew from the age of seven you you, you met God you experienced him yeah. knew that somehow you were going to um, represent him and work for him serve him through your teenage years into early adulthood chopping people's barnets um, and then you meet Becky uh, how does that all square you know how, how, talk a little bit about a, a man who's got a very clear direction yeah and just the everyday challenges that come with, you know, but I'm a family man, I'm, I'm going to marry this woman, we're going to have children and what that looks like. So I think a couple of things, really. I think one, it's about uh, setting priorities. Mm. Um, and so I always try and get it in this order. And I know when I'm not doing well, I haven't. So it's God, mm. family, work. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't always fit right, mm. like I say. Um, but it was funny, actually, I think it was last week. Um, I was driving somewhere and I suddenly realised that I'm a priest. Now, I know that sounds really weird. I've been ordained 11 years in the Church of England now. Um, but I've uh, what we say to ourselves matters, doesn't it? Mm. And I've just always felt a little bit fake. 
because mm. I haven't really felt as though I fitted. You know, I, I put the costume. I love costumes. I love dressing mm. up. All clergy do. So I have my army costume. I have my vicar's costume. And for the listeners as well, today he's dressed as Ronald McDonald. <laughs> so uh, he's not lying when he says that. <laughs> uh, so you, you put the costume on and you, and you, and you do the job. Um, but I've always just felt like a hairdresser. Mm. Like, you know, I've not not really achieved I mean I have I've gone on and I academically achieved when I never thought I would and and I don't know what it is but suddenly I realised actually this is this is who you call to be Ben and this is who you are mm. um, and it's I don't know sometimes it's I find in ministry the most obvious things are the hardest things to see mm. you know that bit where <laughs> when Jesus is resurrected mm. and, and people spend time in his presence and don't mm. recognise him yeah, it should be really, really obvious. Yeah. And it's not. And I think what I found in my faith journey is at times the most obvious things are just are beyond grasp at mm. times. And that's where God is. Yeah. Uh, and those moments are really holy. It's such a challenge as well, isn't it? Because um, it's oftentimes, and it's, it's one of the reasons why this whole podcast thing was birthed, because you look across and, and, and often the people who bear the brunt of ministry yeah is the family yeah so the the number of marriages that suffer or end yeah uh, the number of kids who feel like the Jesus that they feel is being portrayed to them in their upbringing they don't want anything to do with yeah and it is it's one of the most sobering sobering things and I'd like to say it's something that we all get right at different times and we have those priorities yeah. but there are times when you just think good grief you know I've i I prioritise something over them at that moment and it wasn't right and, yeah. and it's it's a it's a tough thing. It's a constant battle and a constant yeah. discipline. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think, that, uh, personally speaking, our marriage is the strongest it's ever been mm. but that has come at great depth and great cost. Yeah. Um, and that's not just work, that's, you know, life and relationship and mm. like you say, I do do a lot um, but it's, it comes back to priority of why you do it, yeah. you know, and what I've learned, particularly in this job for the past four years, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely transformed in who I am mm. because I've had to be, mm. um, because doing the things I do, um, and, and trying not to get wrapped up in the ideas of success and failure mm. and what they look like and finding your own value and worth in them. Mm. Um, if you do, you know, you, you just end up going mad. Yeah. Um, but my value and worth comes from, from God and I know that I'm loved and that will never change mm. and comes from having a family mm. um, who will do the same. Mm. You mentioned uh, success. Yeah. What is success? I think the point I've come to of understanding what success is, is success is being faithful. Mm. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, it didn't look very successful, but he was being faithful. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't think success is a healthy word. I agree. If I'm honest. When in, it brings all sorts of pressure. Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah, self-pressure and, uh, and all the rest of it. And what I find within the ministry I've, I've got here or what's going on here is, you know, you, you can easily start looking at numbers mm. and think yeah 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 it's working I'm successful I'm doing mm. something right and I got to a point where God was my line manager so I would put hopious amounts of hard work into something was he a good line manager? no <laughs> no it wasn't because God shouldn't ever be our line manager 
and and then no one would turn up and I'd be mm. like whoa come on man mm. I've done my bit why don't you do yours mm. um, and then you know I've got a spiritual director and she just kind of laughed and went yeah <laughs> yeah that's not how it works man. Um, but what I've learned through this mm. is God is in the places where we never expect to look mm. it might be in the conversation with um, you know a five year old girl while we're colouring in something or it might be in somebody ba- baking a loaf of bread mm. or yeah he's just in the places mm. so in, in that regard you know I'll go into something and yeah I put the hard work into it mm. because I love God and I, I want him to have my best mm. but the results of that actually I don't think matter yeah. because his results are different to what we can understand as success mm. or failure mm-hmm. that's good I what, like that. I, what I love to count and I do count are moments of transformation mm. because stories of transformation give others life mm. as, mo- as well as me and as mm. well as the person who's, who's had that moment of transformation so we could sit and talk numbers yeah. oh yeah I've got a church of X amount yeah. what does that do to your soul you just think oh well Ben's Absolutely. great isn't it? yeah yeah but let, let me tell you about yeah yeah so give us some give us some insight into those moments of transformation obviously without naming yeah. but just some of the things that have happened you know yeah. in this community um, that basically fall in line with some of the things you've just been talking about so one about. of the three my favourite stories uh, to tell you about is is Kelly and it's mm-hmm. fine to use her name she knows because I tell this everywhere mm-hmm. we did a start course which is like mm-hmm. a pre-alpha course mm-hmm. uh, so we had this group of ten folks who had never engaged with thinking about faith before mm. and we worked through this six week course uh, and there was just loads of banter really good bonding in the community and we got to the end of the course and they were all like ah oh, what do we do now we really enjoyed this we want to carry on so I said okay come back next week uh, and we'll we'll have a meal together mm. and we'll sit down we'll have some wine and um, we'll just chat through where you were all at is there anything in faith that's stopping you or where are we going from here um, and again, it was just one of these moments of, I wasn't sure, I, I thought I knew what success was going to look like with this mm. meal. And I knew what I wanted God to do. Mm. <laughs> that sounds daft, doesn't it? I knew what I wanted the big man to do. Um, so I was busy in the kitchen fretting, making sure the atmosphere was good, making sure people were going to walk into the house and feel comfortable, mm. making sure the food was good and all the rest of it. Um, and as I was stressing and my levels of stress were getting higher and higher, Kelly walked in um, and Kelly had, had really begun to sort of grow in faith through yeah. the course and you could see it and it was awesome uh, and she tapped me on the shoulder and said Ben can I have a word and usually that you kind of have a bit of a sinking feeling when someone says that I said yeah, yeah of course and I turned around and she said I've done something I've never done before um, I've baked some bread and I brought it with me and the reason I've done that is because you think bread is holy and suddenly I thought oh my life Ben yeah. you're focused on completely the wrong thing mm. and it was as though she'd said um, there's a guy stood outside your house called Jesus yeah. I've just met him and can I bring him in <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this meal and it was just so much fun and we broke this bread that she brought yeah. and it was holy and it was yeah. Eucharist and it was just completely not what I was expecting love that but she got it. Yeah. She completely got it. While you're martyring around. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's moments like that that you think, Ben, 
mate, just chill out. Mm. You know, God's got this. Yeah. And God's at work here. And yeah, get on and do the work, but relax because there's a bigger picture. Yeah. And it's moments like that, I think, that, that give me life. That's why I do this yeah. job because yeah. I want people to know Jesus. That's yeah. all I want to do mm. with this. Is so our strap line for what we do is create we create the space for faith. Mm. And it is about just creating a meeting point where people can meet Jesus mm. and then hopefully we can help that relationship to develop. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the um because we we always want to try and get a bit of a balance on, you know, with whoever we're talking about. And obviously the main thrust of it is is really to put some things out there that will help people in their own journey, wherever they are, ministering, leading, reaching, whatever people want to call it. Um, so let, let's talk about some of the low moments. You know, you've, you've talked about there are times of wonderful highs and transformational moments, and they're brilliant because yeah. they're the moments, even when we feel like we're, we're losing sight of what's important, you know, they're the moments, like you've just explained, they help to yeah. help us to recalibrate and, and bring yeah. us back on track. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of those moments that I know you will have had because we all have them. Yeah. Where it's been dark or you've really questioned uh, what you're doing. Um, what was it like? How did you get through? Um, is, is it something that's still an ongoing thing? You know, um, things that will, you know, help us really just to, like we can in the successes to, to empathise in, in those moments of challenge as well. So, yeah, yeah, just talk, talk a little I think- bit about that. I think a lot of it can be uh, thought about about our own identity and worth and value. Um, and I think at times, as ministers, we, we all wrap ourselves up in our identity of, of what we do and what we get to do for God. Yeah. Um, and so there are times where you'll put something on and no one will turn up. And if your worth and your value is in that idea of, again, coming back to that idea of success, yeah. man, it's crushing, absolutely mm. crushing. I tend to find um, sort of how I try and remedy that um i liken what i do to uh so being a pioneer if you think what the word pioneer conjures up in your mind Mm. you know those uh people who maybe went out to canada Mm. you know the early pioneers who went Mm. and pioneered a new country and it was just nothing was familiar everything was new Mm. and it can feel like everything is new all of the time and Mm. that's exhausting Mm. um (laughs) <laughs> and I, I laughed with a couple of my colleagues who are also pioneers. I said, well, the, the one thing about those pioneers is most of them died. <laughs> so, so that's what we get to do for God. They died doing something they loved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so what I tend to find is we need to be grounded. Mm. We need, when I look out at times with my job, there is nothing familiar on the horizon. Mm. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Lost. Yeah. Yeah, so mm. the first series, epic, and then yeah. it just went mad, didn't it? Mm. But there was this this idea in that, that actually if you were jumping around in time, yeah. you needed something mm. constant to ground you. You needed something just to focus on. Um, I guess it's like if you're spinning round and round and round, you spot, mm. don't you, just to keep that balance. Yeah. And it can feel like that at times. Yeah. So for me, um, because I spend a lot of time outside the church, I spend a lot of time with people who, who maybe don't know God, God isn't reverenced mm. with awe and wonder mm. in a way that as somebody who has travelled this journey a long time, I need mm. to be able to do that. Mm. So for me, um, every other week mm. I uh, preside at the Eucharist, mm-hmm. um, at a little 
church uh, on Holdness Road in Hull, mm. and there's maybe eight or ten elderly, uh, elderly folk mm. um, there. And for me, that's grounding. You know, I put the robes mm. on and I, I break bread and we share wine. Mm. And for me, that is a that is a grounding focus point. So as much mm. as it is great for them mm. that, that I can pop in and do that, that for me is my let's let's worship yeah. here. Let's yeah. put Jesus in the place that he needs to be in mm. uh, in my own life and and that and my life as a priest as well. Mm. Um, and, and that's what I tend to try and find you know mm. look for the familiar points mm. because when you're you're out on the cold face yeah. at times it, it can be difficult to do that and to sustain yourself yeah and how do you find that with we, we were talking your kids are, are pretty much similar in ter- to mine yeah. in terms of age where you know where they're at in their phase of life and, yeah. uh, and you know what, what we're doing is you know looks looks what you know one expression of church and and i love i love what you're describing and, and what you guys are building you know how does that how does that play out with with the kids and with the family in terms of um you know their connection their grounding you know it, it's it, it's kind of on the one hand it, it seems wow it's it's filled with possibilities and then on the other hand you think but but yeah it's you understand what i'm saying it's kind yeah. of how how does that work out for you guys as a family? I think, <laughs> I think because kids are always weird, yeah, <laughs> and it's not an easy balance to have. Yeah, um, I try not to be religious with them, mm. you know. So we we will pray together. Um, we pray at meal times, and uh, we don't go to church as a family anywhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what we do here is a whole life experience. We have an open door policy. There are always mm-hmm. people in and out the house. Yeah they are part of what we do uh, mm. and my hope and Becky's hope and prayer is that they see the lifestyle that we live mm. um, and hopefully that gives them the grounding to go on and make their own choices mm. it's a really difficult line to draw because I think as well obviously nowadays or probably always but particularly nowadays when kids get into their teenage years it is about them trying to discern who they are yeah. wh- where they have in the world mm. um, and what their world views are and I don't want them. I don't want faith to be something that they kick against. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, then it's kind of yeah, yeah, no dramas. That, mm. that, that's fine. Mm. Um, but obviously, my hope and prayer is yeah. that that they will embrace the faith in which they've grown up in. Yeah. Uh, and own that for themselves. Yeah. Because I think that's the way I am as a priest. It's mm. please don't have my faith. Mm. Um, because if you have my faith, when the rubber hits the road, it won't last. Mm. Um, so I suppose within the churchmanship of what we do, if if somebody asks me, you know, what churchmanship are you, Ben? Hmm. Um, often my reply is it, it's a luxury I don't have mm. um, because it's not about me. Mm. This is about creating that space for people to get to know Jesus. And it might be that people enjoy really high formal worship in the church mm. or they might really enjoy, um, you know, a more evangelical style. But mm. I would hope that the space that we create Mm. Um, would allow that to happen and so that would be the same for my family yeah. you know as they grow mm. and develop don't get me wrong I, I'd love them to be part of a, a big youth group and yeah. uh, have that with their peers and stuff like that we don't have that mm. it's just not possible at the moment and that that can be a pressure can't it because you you think I mean where we're at at the moment similar kind of journey and uh, you think oh, it'd be great to have this and be great to have that and, but actually at the end of the day it's just I remember I got born again at a 
Billy Graham, mm. I gave my life to Jesus at yeah. Billy Graham Crusade. I was 10 years of age in Birmingham. Uh, only reason at the time I really wanted to respond, I wanted, he used to do them in these football grounds. Yeah. So I just wanted to get on the pitch. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> but it was actually, so I tell everybody I've made my decision at the Billy Graham Crusade, <laughs> but actually I really made my decision then going away and sitting with a guy and he was called Ray. I remember it to this day. Yeah. Never saw him again afterwards. And he was like my counsellor. Yeah. And he was the one who introduced me into Jesus. To yeah. Jesus. And I was 10 years of age. Yeah. And it was something so real and so powerful at that moment that it's kept me through the highs and the lows. Yeah. Here I am now, 46. Yeah. And yeah, you just think that's what it is, isn't it? Particularly with our children and our communities and the people that we journey with. It's the re- I love that line that you mentioned. I scribbled it down about listen, don't have my faith. Yeah, have your own. You yeah. can have your own. It's yeah. it, he's here for you as well. Absolutely, I love that. And again, it's I think it comes back to that just being faithful. Yeah, I don't know what what plans they have for their lives or what what God has for them. Mm. But my job is to love them mm. and to love them no matter what. Mm. Um, and again, it comes back. That's my gospel. Yeah, I know I'm loved, mm. uh, and and that's my response to it. Mm. That's good. Talk to me a little bit about the, um, um, in those moments, um, because the expression of what you're building here is, you know, it's fair to say it's not the norm. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but it's not regular. <laughs> um, so in terms of when you need, I don't know, a shoulder to cry on, when you need a sounding board to bounce things off, when you need, uh, you just need somebody to make sure that you're not going insane. Yeah. Um, how does that work? How do, What does that look like for you? Um, I mean, on a real practical level, I've got what I call chain of command within the church. So I, I meet with my archdeacon. There's that military background. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I've got to support the bishop and the archbishop. Um, and so that's structurally, uh, and the support of the, the diocese, you know, and all those structures in place, which are really helpful. Um, but do you know what I've got, which really sustains me, is a really good set of mates. Mm. Um, and I don't just mean friends I mean mates yeah. who will tell me straight mm. and will not indulge me mm. uh, and will tell me to get a grip uh, mm. and will also give me a cuddle when I need it mm. Um, mm. and I think that's really really important I found that really really important mm. um, because at times you just need to vent stuff yeah. uh, and you don't need you don't need fixing you don't need it to go anywhere else mm. you just need to vent it and yeah. uh, I've got some really good mates who allow me to do that good um, I've got a therapist as well, mm-hmm. um, so I've been in therapy um, for over a year now, mm. uh, and again, that's just revolutionised mm. who I am and what I do, mm. uh, and that's been really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, you know, I've got others. I've got a spiritual director, uh, and she's awesome. She just very gently turns my head back in the right direction. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So when I when I see her. That's that's epic. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, and obviously, while we were chatting before, you, you you mentioned that about a therapist. Yeah. And it, it's incredible, isn't it? How something that is a help to so many people out there in the world, often for many people within church, yeah. in quotes, is seen as I don't know a bit of a taboo. Yeah, yeah. Or or a sign of, or maybe your faith isn't strong enough. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> but actually, it and, and obviously with mental health being in the news as it is and you know real cutting edge issues I love the fact that people are thinking yeah absolutely you'd, yeah. you'd go see a, a professional with your car well why not why not go and chat with somebody who can maybe help me out with the absolutely. journey that I'm going on I and... think you're more of a lunatic if you don't go yeah you know if, if I broke my leg 
mm. and then just hobbled around the place with a broken leg people mm. would look at you and go hey what are you doing just go and see a doctor get it fixed and then you'd say you're waiting for Mark to show up and pray for you absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. my faith my faith <laughs> is going to get me through this broken uh, leg I mean mental health and physical health I don't yeah. see any different whatsoever mm. um, and yeah there is stigma to taking meds yeah. or uh, or seeing a therapist or saying you know you need help or anything like mm. that but if I am not an advocate for having mental fitness you know mm. not just mental health mental fitness and be physically strong in my yeah. mental health um, in my role as an army chaplain in my mm. role as a person of peace in this community mm. you know if I'm if I'm going around wanting to punch people, it doesn't go down well when you're wearing a dog collar. Yeah. Uh, and I've been in positions like that. Mm. And and actually, I want to be the best version of me I can ever be. Mm. Um, not just for my job, but for my wife and for mm. my kids. Uh, and I found the journey that I've been on, uh, engaging in some really deep therapy stuff, mm. has just allowed me to be, the. I've still got a way to go, yeah. but to be a much better Karma person, mm. better follower of Jesus. Yeah, who wouldn't want that? Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's just—it's a fresh way of looking at things, isn't it? And it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of, you know, I'm, I'm, I failed. Yeah, it's a sign of no. Actually, I'm, I'm investing in myself. Yeah, yeah. For all those reasons, yeah, yeah. to to be more effective at, yeah. at the cold face, and I love that. And just for home as well, where we often take it out the most. Yeah, for life at home to yeah. be smooth. Um, I want to close by asking you, this is like your Radio 2 moment, your <laughs> thought for the day, which I'm just going to spring on you. And um, listen, I've got no idea who's listening to this and God has a wonderful ability. The God who's outside of time just has a wonderful ability yeah. of knowing where this podcast is going to land, to whom, at what stage in their journey. And there'll be people from all sorts of backgrounds, but a lot of people I'm sure can identify with some of the things that you've shared today. Yeah. So if you could say just one thing to somebody out there who maybe feels like, I don't know, they're on the verge of quitting, yeah. they're on the ver- they're, they're maybe in that set, in that place of questioning, you know, what's the point? Yeah. Listen, what would you say? Um, it's, it's probably a bit obvious, but you are loved. Mm. You know, and for me, that is the absolute petrol in my tank. That's mm. what keeps me going. It doesn't matter what I do, what I say, what I don't do, what I succeed at, what I fail at. Mm. none of that matters Mm. you are loved Mm. you are loved by God completely and passionately Mm. and there's nothing that will ever change that Mm. so success failure brokenness addiction Mm. um, you know everything in between none of it matters because you are created and you are loved Mm. Um, and when I think when you know you're loved it changes everything Mm. that's good it's a great place to end. Yeah. Um, by the way, everybody, uh, check Ben out on Facebook. Yep. Um, you can follow him there, and he'll often do some like pieces to camera out in the community and things. See, I've been, I've been looking. <laughs> and um, listen, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. And um, thank you for um, talking about things. Certainly opened my eyes in terms of what church can look like. Yeah. I know there'll be a lot of people out there, as I am, on that journey of well, what is church, and you know, have we have we lost the true essence of and some of the things that you've talked about in terms of what you do um, has been a real eye-opener and I'm sure that'll be the same for a lot of the guys thank you for letting me into your house no thank you it's and, been great um, yeah keep on doing what you're doing even though to put Bible language on it you are an evangelist yeah um, and I think society is crying out for that yeah um, 
not talk about people who rock up and you know do the whole big crusade type things (laughs) and you know there was a time and a place for that but getting into a community and making a difference in the community and then the community valuing what you bring and our prayer for you is more power to your elbow sir thank you and uh yeah thank you for your time cheers right everybody else i'll see you back in the car and then back in the well i say studio i'll see you back at my house all right bye hey everybody um yeah just had my lunch i am currently sat in a car park ready to set off for the journey home but i just thought i'd take this moment just to uh, reflect on that interview with ben really enjoyed it really enjoyed meeting him uh, by the way, I think I may have won the little game that we played. I do believe there was quite an early mention, although I wasn't watching the clock, but really enjoyed my time with him. Uh, great guy. Uh, two things, lots of things stuck out, but two things particularly I was just musing and thinking about over lunch. First of all, that that section where he was talking about feeling like a fake, um, you know, doing this already... I think he said he'd been doing it for about 10 or 11 years, but still feeling like a fake. And that's so easy, isn't it, as as leaders, ministers, in whatever area, realm, field, to feel like, particularly when you look at other people, that you don't match up, that somehow everybody else is genuine, but you yourself feel like a, a fraud. And, you know, that really helped me. Listen, everybody goes through that. You're not a fake. You're not a fraud. You're just you. And it's amazing how God calls us. He puts his incredible treasures, but he chooses to outwork them through these earthen vessels. So don't ever let your human frailty intimidate you or shame you out of your calling. That that really, really ministered. The other thing that really, you know, made me think was as he was describing what he's doing and what he's building, it just provokes me, you know, church is so much bigger than what we've made it particularly here in the West, church is becoming or has become very formulaic. You know, we do a few songs and somebody comes up and gives a few announcements and then somebody comes up and preaches and uh, and then there's an altar call. But actually church is the body of Christ. And I love the fact that there's there's things out there which is just as much church as all the other things that we do. And he used terminology like, fresh and new expressions and and being the church but coming out from the organized church and listen you cannot deny when you talk to people like that and the people that they are reaching the people that they are sharing Jesus with and the effects and the fruit that it's producing you cannot deny its relevance and its re uh, and its reality so Uh, they're just a few things just reflecting that um, I really enjoyed today so I hope you did but anyway let's hit the road got to drive this Nando's off that I've just had and I'll see you back at the house as we wrap up bye all right you uh you join me back at the house I'm just finishing my let me just do that just getting my cup of tea ready um as we get ready to wrap up uh Yorkshire tea of course just in case you're interested Yorkshire tea because any other tea is an abomination, and all the podcast listeners said. Anyway, um, yeah, just wanted to kind of touch base before we go our separate ways for another week. Um, just to give some feedback, it's, um, 
we this this podcast is 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 new it's going out there you know you never know where it's going to reach who's going to listen and already in the space of a few days a week really since episode 1 we already have listeners from all over the world they are from of course representing the UK but also America, the USA. Hello to all my friends and family in the USA. We've got listeners over there. Guernsey, one of the Channel Islands. I don't think I know anybody in Guernsey, but we got we got listeners there. We got listeners in Ukraine. I mean, imagine. I'd love to know where you're all listening from around the world. You know, let us know. But Nigeria, we've got listeners in Nigeria. Switzerland, the Cayman Isles. Uh, we got listeners in Brazil. I mean. Uh, to the bane, Brazil. I speak a little bit of Portuguese, and when I say a little bit of Portuguese, it's basically to the bane and mais ou menos. But listen, we've got listeners from all around the world. So listen, I'm asking you to continue to spread the word. United Kingdom, all over, wherever. Let's continue to spread the word about this podcast because I'm convinced it is going to be helpful to many. And as I said, listen. Tell me where you're listening from and, and we'll put it on the podcast and let's spread this community and let everybody know where everybody's listening from. We were also talking about uh, last week, and I think I mentioned it at the beginning of this episode, that we'd love to hear from you. We want this to be a, a two-way dialogue. So we've set up an email address that's um, different ones and twos of you have already started reaching out throughout the week. Uh, and I'll read a few of those messages in a minute. But listen, if anything particularly um, helps you, ministers to you, makes you think, or you just want to feed back, um, just let us know. You can email us or email me on, on the following address. It is honest to God pod. That's all one word, honest to God pod at gmail.com. And I'll get those emails and I will respond to each one that comes. Uh, and also you can message us on um, or message me on uh, Facebook if you can find me on Facebook or you can get me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Mark A Pease, P-E-A-S-E. And you might, if you're if you're an Insta kind of person, then get me on Instagram. My handle is um, at Mark underscore A underscore Pease, P-E-A-S-E. And you can find me there. But anyway, I'd love to hear from you. And um, it could be feedback. It could be advice. It may be questions. It may be how it's helped you. It, it might be uh, what you'd like to hear or uh, suggestions on who you think would be good for us to interview. We're already putting plans in, in place for series two. So listen, send, send those across to us and we'd love to, um, we'd love to, can you believe that? That's my wife calling. Let me, let me just, um, put that there. I will get back to her. Um, but yeah, let us know that would be, see, this is raw, <laughs> but we'd love to just hear from you. Now, anyway, a couple of messages that have come through, uh, that I want to read others you know I, I'll get back to you privately and and I've already done so so you check your inboxes but uh, just wanted to read these two because these these were just perfect um the first one came through hey just wanted to say that I've listened to your first podcast yesterday the one with the Welsh pastor well that's what it was it was with Ray Bevan uh one of my biggest things is the ability to understand and accept God's grace when I get it wrong and not to dwell on things also the fact that God likes me as I am I know he knows everything about me and knew it before I was even born, but it's a massive idea for me to get my head around and accept. Oh, yeah, I, I can understand, totally empathise with that. It was really comforting to hear, though, um, though, that even pastors have the odd struggles with accepting their mistakes and moving on. 
uh, listen, um, writer in, I would say that pastors not only have their odd struggles, they have their <laughs> many struggles. Uh, back to the message. I always presumed that because you are pastors and probably so much better Bible readers than me, that you would find it easier to deal with things like that and just move on. I'm really looking forward to hearing the next one. Keep up the good work and thank you for sharing them. Well, um, that's awesome. Um, I love that message. And um, I think we were talking about we're not only trying to reach pastors and leaders, but also those out there, just people in the real world, um, living real lives, facing real challenges, but also in it all, um, knowing that they serve a, a real God. And so, listen, I'm, I'm, I thank you for that feedback and we'll endeavour to keep on, keep up the good work. Other one I want to share today, uh, a text message that came through. Um, this was just listen to your conversation with Ray. Um, I really like the format and what you're trying to do. It, it's really fresh. Loved Ray's openness and the way he discovered the all-consuming grace of God in his life. Can we please have more podcasts like this? Well, that's exactly what we're endeavouring to do. Uh, more podcasts like that. Um, digging beneath the surface and, and, and getting to grips with this thing called Christianity and what it really means and how we can help one another in all the challenges. All right, I think that's about it for today and that's almost it for now. Other than to let you know, keep spreading the word. I think I've said that a lot, haven't I? And uh, next week, we're going to be talking to a guy called Mark Kelly, uh, who leads a church uh, in Leeds called Freedom Church. And I've known Mark for some time, but we had a great time together. Some really useful things came out of uh, that particular interview. And um, again, from a different background, a different type of church. and But again, things that will come through that will help us all on our journeys. So next Friday, that episode will be out until then you can download last week's that's already up there and of course this one and so you can catch up on old episodes if you've missed and we will see you next friday on honest to god goodbye